Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Roisin. And welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. This podcast is all about how improving your physical fitness can help support you on your very own fertility journey. I'm a personal trainer who specializes in training women with fertility problems. I myself have PCOS and have had two beautiful boys, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. Before we get into it, we will be discussing adult themes such as where do babies come from, pregnancy loss and bereavement. We may also be sweary from time to time. We are optimistic, lighthearted girls, but we know this is a really stressful time for some of our listeners. We respect that. Today, I am delighted to welcome Helena to the show. Helena is a past client of mine and someone I feel honoured to call a friend. Helena is 37 years old and she's been married to Adam for 12 years, which she lovingly says is definitely up there with her greatest achievements. When she was 18, instead of going to university like many of her friends, she worked as a lighting technician in the theatre. Helena worked in the West End on shows such as Phantom of the Opera and ran the technical department for an off-West End theatre, where she got to light Eddie Izzard. She also worked in regional theatre and in 2008 she spent the year touring the UK and Ireland. Currently, Helena is an office administrator for a loft conversion company but for most of her career, she's been a project manager in construction. She made the job switch to concentrate on IVF for this year. Helena Gray, welcome to the Fitness Fertility Podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. I feel so honoured. Oh, well, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here. I'm very excited. Would you mind starting by telling us your story? Absolutely. It's a bit of a long one, so um, brace yourselves. Um, <laughs> As you said, I've been married now for 12 years. Um, Adam and I met when we were young. I just finished my stint in theatre. I was 22 and Adam was 23. It all happened very quickly. It was very much a case of when you know, you know. By the age of 25, we were married. So we decided to enjoy ourselves for the first couple of years because you know, within the first nine months, we'd already purchased our first property together. Then he proposed. It was a bit of a whirlwind to start off with. <laughs> mm. um, so we thought we'd spend the first couple of years marriage life just enjoying ourselves. And we try for kids a little bit later on. And there was nothing to suggest that we should be worried. So we were just very calm and relaxed about it all because we were still very young at that point. We were in our 20s. We started to try around about when I was 27 and months turned into years and nothing had happened and we were about five years in. We thought we would go to the doctors and we had the basic tests done and everything came back fine. We decided to take the stance of, well, if everything's fine, don't go looking for a problem if it's not there. We thought that we would just carry on and see what would happen. I particularly focused on my career and I was in jobs where I was working quite far away from home. So I wasn't looking after myself the best way that I could. COVID then hit. It made me, like I'm assuming a lot of people, reevaluate things. And I decided that actually my health comes first. I actually want to start trying for a family properly. So I got a job a lot closer to home in our local area. I'm going to focus now on my health because at that point, a lot of people around me were saying to me, lose weight and you'll fall pregnant. By this point, we were at the start of 2021. 
And I thought, right, I'll jump on the Joe Wicks bandwagon like everyone else had done during COVID. That year, I lost two stone in weight and we were trying naturally. Got to the end of that year and I was angry. I was upset. I was frustrated. So was Adam. And um, I just said, we need to go back to the doctors. And this time we need to push it further along because I can't believe we've been trying naturally for so long and still nothing has happened. I've even lost weight. We met with our doctors at the start of 2022. They said, look, let's just repeat the tests that we did five years ago. And none the wiser, I just agreed to it. And so did Adam. At this point, I had also approached the fertility suite. You might know Rachel Sheriff. I think you've had her on your show. Yes, she's fabulous. Yeah, love her. I'm really lucky that I live literally down the road from the fertility suite. So I phoned Rachel on my lunch break. I was also worried because I was 35. At that point, I was led to believe that your fertility falls off a cliff at that age. Rachel was great. She said it it doesn't. And she believed that the fertility suite could help me. I had read years before the benefits of acupuncture and fertility. That's why I approached her. And she suggested I met with one of her acupuncturists because of my hours, this acupuncturist worked evenings. And that acupuncturist was Rebecca, who is phenomenal. She is just amazing. There started my journey, really. And Rebecca was brilliant. She advised me about the tests that we were having with the NHS. A couple of interesting things happened. When my blood tests came back, my prolactin was high, but not too high for the NHS. And my progesterone was low, but not too low for the NHS. But Rebecca was saying, that's not right. (laughs) And because the doctors weren't willing to help me, because I didn't fall in the the remit for the NHS um, with the blood test results. I said to Rebecca, well, what can I do? And she advised me on what supplements to take. We then got referred from the GP to the NHS clinic. Obviously, it's the NHS, so you have a bit of time to wait for that appointment. I knew that I wouldn't get treatment on the NHS because of my BMI. I knew quite early on. I spoke to Adam and I said, look, obviously I'm more than happy to lose weight. I'll do whatever I need to to get our family. But the NHS would want me to lose seven to ten stone (laughs) to fall into that category. And I said, I've got to be realistic. And I didn't want to do anything rash. I didn't want weight loss surgery because I didn't feel I needed weight loss surgery. And I didn't want to do weight loss tablets or anything like that. I didn't believe in that. I believed in losing weight the healthy way. I'm so blessed to have Adam. He completely agreed with me. He didn't want that for me either. But he said, we need to keep the NHS in our back pocket. Let's start looking at private clinics. So that's what we did. We chose three clinics, one in London, one of the top clinics in London, a clinic that is well known throughout the country, they're a, they're a chain, and then an independent clinic that was about half an hour down the road from us where we lived. At that point, I started to also, in the background, 
almost stand in the wings on social media. And I was on Instagram and I was starting to search IVF accounts. And that's where I came across you. (laughs) And I started to follow you because I knew that I would have to lose weight. But as I said, I wanted to do it the right way. When you're going through infertility, you're told, you know, you need to exercise, but don't do too much. You need to eat right, but don't restrict yourself. So I was like, well, I'm just going to get the experts around me to tell me what to do. (laughs) I kind of was watching you from afar. It was still COVID time. So the clinic's offering webinars. The London Clinic, Adam would have signed up there and then. He thought they were amazing. And I'll come on to them later because they play a massive part in our story. The clinic that was a chain, I don't want to say their name because I don't want to be disrespectful because I know a lot of people use them, but they weren't for us. Mm -hmm. We lasted five minutes on the webinar and Adam went, no. And I was like, no. We just felt that they weren't for us. Interestingly, the third clinic that was the one that was local to us, they were actually happy for us to come in and have a tour. And that happened to be the same day that we had my NHS referral appointment. The NHS referral appointment was on Zoom. I'll never forget it because we took the day off work. The consultant basically said that he wouldn't be able to treat us because of my BMI. He didn't even have Adam's test results. The doctors were meant to refer us both together and he didn't even have Adam's test results, which were fine, but still he should have, you know, had them. (laughs) And um, he proceeded to tell me to take weight loss tablets, then proceeded to tell me when I said, well, at that time I was still following Joe Wicks a bit and I was like, "I'm, I'm kind of doing Joe Wicks. I'm looking into what else I can do. And I said, I am losing the weight as well. We're also looking at private clinics. And that's where he cut me off. And he said, you won't get treated privately. No one in the country will treat you. I was like, that's interesting. So we're going to see a clinic this afternoon that prides themselves in helping people with the higher BMI. But he was just having none of it. And I really had to bite my tongue because my husband will tell you if there's one thing that has really, really griped me throughout this whole process is how BMI is used against people. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, no couple should be denied treatment because of their BMI. And I truly believe that. Don't get me wrong. I honestly also believe you have to be healthy mm-hmm. when going through treatment, but you shouldn't have BMI used against you. Just because you have a high BMI doesn't mean you can't have a successful cycle of IVF and then go on to fall pregnant. Mm -hmm. That afternoon, we went to the clinic locally to have a private tour. They had no issue with my BMI. And so we came away and we thought, you know what, we're going to go with them. One of the things that I wanted to ask you, because I know... For so many women, it's it's their body, you know, it's their mm. body that's being poked and prodded and it's it's their body where the issue lies, so to speak. Mm. I just wanted to ask you, like, how did you feel when people were talking about your body and your BMI? Like, how did that make you feel? Angry, mm. upset, mm. very frustrated because, as I said earlier, I, I truly believe the BMI should not be used against a woman for their fertility. It really shouldn't. It's an outdated calculation. And I mean that in the most politest way possible, (laughs) but it really is. And it just made me so angry when it was used against me because I just 
felt that wasn't the reason for our infertility. And that was actually proven to me further along in our story. Mm, Which we will definitely come to. It's like a cliffhanger. Just before we get further in, there's a couple of things that really struck me before we kind of get to part two of your journey, if you like. So did you say that you were five years in trying before you went to the doctors? Is that right? Yeah. After five years, what was the thing after five years that made you go, that's it? Because there's no, there's no judgment at all. Some people yeah. go after five months. Some people go after five yeah. years. But what was that? Was there a day? Was there a moment? No. Well, there was kind of two lots of five years, really. We first of all went to the doctors in 2017. The reason we went then was just because we were like, we should probably just double check everything's okay. We were still young at that point. We were very early 30s. Mm. Um, so we weren't too worried. And then it was later on, so like the second lot of five years, basically, where we said enough is enough. And the reason we said that was because it was just under 10 years at that point. I just said to Adam, something cannot be right. It shouldn't be taking this long. We also felt something missing, like Adam and I love each other a lot. Our families and friends will tell you that we are just two peas in a pod. We're meant to be together as corny as that sounds, but we have both felt something's been missing for a very long time. And, and that something has been having a child of our own. The latter years got more and more difficult as those around us were falling pregnant, having their own families. This time of year, for example, Adam and I are big lovers of Christmas, especially me. I'm a massive kid, really mm. big kid at heart. But the last few Christmases, I have really found it so difficult seeing everyone put their pictures up on social media with the matching pajamas going to see Santa and also just waking up on Christmas day and lovely as it is being the two of you just wanting to hear that sound of little feet running in and excited and and just not having that Mm. I think what made us sort of go we've got to do something that and time (laughs) the biological clock ticking inside my head I know it's a shocker and it's funny that you mentioned about this time of year and friends getting pregnant because one of the questions I wanted to ask you was obviously you were going through it for so long and I know so many of our listeners are in that exact same situation we're recording this around Christmas time which we've done on purpose we've chosen this timing on purpose was there anything that you did to help you get through this time did you come off socials did you reach out on socials like what what did you do we just struggled through which is probably a really sad fact at <laughs> home um, but we just got through it together in all in all honesty we supported and helped each other along because we didn't know about the the community on Instagram at that point mm. we didn't know about the level of support out there had to sort of struggle on three, really, the both of us. And I also wanted to say, congratulations on on losing two stone, you know, as part Thank of your you. journey, because that's massive. That is a huge amount of weight to lose. And I think there has to be a lot of respect. And what I love about the way you've done it is, and I remember you and me talking, and what I remember about our conversations was, firstly, you were realistic, but you were like, listen, <laughs> this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going to aim to be. You, you, but you were like, I'm not going to lose 10 stone in six months. And I, and I no. was like, nobody is. Nobody's going to no. lose 10 stone in six months. That's insane. But yeah. I loved that you wanted to do it healthily. And that's yeah. what you were saying. None of this 
you know, summer shred equivalent, none of this drop 10 pounds in 10 days. I remember very clearly you were like, listen, I want to do this in as healthy a way as possible. Yeah. And for the record, for our listeners, you were awesome because you did the workouts consistently. There were two or three workouts a week. You did the two or three workouts a week. We chatted yeah. regularly and you did it consistently and you did it for a long time. Yeah. And it was a safe way to do it. What I wanted to know really around the physical exercise side of things was, how did that kind of first workout feel? You know, when you said you started the kind of Joe Wicks, now they, yeah. they can be quite tough, just physically, mentally, honestly speaking, for anyone that's thinking, I'm ready, right, I'm going to go. Could you perhaps talk us through what to expect? They're a lot simpler than the Joe Wicks ones. <laughs> um, Joe Wicks is like a military sergeant. They were just a lot easier, a slower pace, mm. but you still felt like you worked out. Yeah. Which was what I wanted to feel, but I'll never forget Rebecca, my acupuncturist, when I when I first initially met her and what I said I did, I was like, yeah, I do five workouts a week. It's Joe Wicks. And she went, that's the problem. And that's when I first came across the whole, yes, you definitely need to exercise for fertility, but you need to do it in like a not too much way. And it's like, well, what's, what's not yeah. too much, you know? Hence why I started following you. And then I came to you and um, I signed up with you in the January of 2023 because we just went on board with this clinic and I wanted to build this fertility team around me because in the midst of all the research with the clinics, I was doing so much research. Being a project manager, you like to be in control. And I knew with IVF, obviously you cannot control what happens during the cycle. You can't control the outcome. But what I do believe is, especially when you're paying for it, and I knew in my heart of hearts that Adam and I didn't have an endless pot of money, even though I would always have found it difficult to stop. I knew that I had to be a little bit realistic. And I thought, if we're doing this, we're doing this right. And so that's when I threw myself into the research. I got It Starts With An Egg. I read it five to eight times. I highlighted it. I made notes. Because what stood out to me was this whole three-month period leading up to treatment. And when I started exploring the community on Instagram and following holistic fertility specialists, so like Rachel Sheriff, mm -hmm. Julia Young, I followed, I don't know if you know her, but there's this amazing woman on Instagram called the Fertility Detective. I've She's, seen her, yes. She is awesome. And they're all saying the same thing. What you put into your body affects the egg and sperm three months down the line. And that really stayed with me. I said to Adam, look, when we go to our clinic in January for initial consultation, we will have some tests done because no doubt they're going to want to retest from the NHS ones because the NHS ones would have been a year old at this point. I said, but whatever happens, we are going to do three months of preparation in the lead up to IVF. And it's really interesting because Adam and I, even though we're so similar, we are different in the sense of I can be a bull in a china shop and just go all in. I'm the risk taker where Adam will stand back and survey. But we were opposites on this. He wanted just to go in, start treatment. And I was like, no. And he was like, 
what you of all people know. Yes, no, we are doing this. I insisted on particular tests being done. So for Adam, I insisted he actually had the DNA sperm fragmentation test as opposed to a repeat of the sperm analysis because this is what I learned from the fertility detective. She was banging the drum on sperm DNA analysis tests and she was sharing so many stories of all these couples that are either clients or had messaged her on Instagram where they were at their wits end. They'd gone through multiple rounds of IVF. They were thousands and thousands of pounds deep in and not once had they had this DNA sperm fragmentation test. They then decided that they would, you know, go and get it done. And some of them, the clinics were saying, you don't need it. And they were going, no, we're going to go and get it done elsewhere, if need be. And the results were coming back and there was high fragmentation in the men. And after a healthy diet and exercise, their sperm had improved and the couples were either falling pregnant naturally or having successful rounds of IVF. I don't want to go through multiple rounds. I, I don't have the time or the money. So Adam's doing the test now. <laughs> and um, I said that to our consultant. I was like, he's doing the test. And even the WHO have now come out and said, all men should be offered this DNA sperm fragmentation test as opposed to the standard sperm analysis test mm. because of the level of information it gives. We're lucky. Adam, his results came back flying colours, but I'm still glad we did it because... I would have been thinking to myself, if we hadn't been successful, we need to do this test. There's two things that are kind of jumping out here. One of them is this idea of controlling what you can control. Because like mm. you were saying before, you were like, you can't control everything in IVF. And, and for someone like yeah. you and, and me to a certain extent, we like to control things, you know, yes. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. So yeah. you do have to kind of pick and choose like your health and like your nutrition and yeah. your acupuncture and your reflexology. You do have to control the things you can control and then somehow make peace with the fact that you've done everything you can. Partly for the reason you've just said, because you don't want to come out the other end of this, whatever the other end looks like, thinking or regretting, what if yeah. I had? Yeah. And then that all links in together with, again, this other theme that I hear you talking about, which is this um, self-advocating. Because yeah. you did your research, you read It Starts With The Egg, which is you know an excellent read. You did all of the things and you said, we need to have these tests done. This self-advocating is massive and it can be really hard. Even, yeah. you know, some people are really shy. Some people are more introverted than others. Some people are brand new to it. They've not read the literature before. So I think these two things are, are very, very common, but I'm really glad that you shared that because yeah. it's so important. Did it you find really it is. hard self-advocating or you were just like, listen, we've been here for 10 years, people. We need to click <laughs> I was pretty much like that. The consultant didn't quite know what to say. He was just like, okay. <laughs> you know, I didn't really give him a way out. And it got even more interesting with that consultant, actually, because we had our tests. Now, I had for the first time the AMH test and the nurses called me and I'll never forget it. And they said to me, look, your AMH is within range for your age, but it's low. Whilst you'll never win eggs of the month, it's about quality over quantity. I was like, okay. And I was quite chilled about it at this point because, again, following the holistic fertility specialists on Instagram, I quickly learned that AMH, and I want to be careful how I word this, but AMH is mainly used for data for the clinics so they know what protocol to put you on. 
it certainly doesn't give the overall picture of someone's fertility. For me, I was quite calm about it at this point. And you're going to know this next bit, Maria, because I phoned you that night after the appointment. We then had an appointment with the consultant after all these tests came back. And Adam and I were so excited that day. We took the day off work. We were finally going to find out how baby Gray was going to come into this world, what treatment we were going to have. At this point, we were aiming for IUI to begin with because we thought, do you know what? None of the results have come back again with anything. Yes, my AMH was low, but the nurses had led me to believe that it was it was okay. In fact, they even said that the level of AMH I had, they've had plenty of women through the clinic that have had successful pregnancies. We walked into his clinic and he sat there and said, you need ICSI. And we were like, what? And I literally sat there with my mouth open. Not that there's anything wrong with ICSI, but we had this expectation and it was just like thrown across the room. Thank God, Adam decided to speak up and was like, I'm really sorry, but he went, I'm sure my results came back okay. He went, unless I've completely misread it. And the doctor was like, oh, let me check. And he went, oh, I'm really sorry. I've read from the wrong set of results. Oh my God. And this is a private clinic. Adam being Adam, he's so polite. He just went, no worries. I'm starting to see and I'm like, keep calm, keep calm. And uh, he went, Adam went, so does this does this change the, the treatment that we would need? He said, yeah, you'll need uh, IVF. And he then proceeded to say we needed IVF because of my BMI and my low AMH. Bearing in mind, this is the clinic that said that they had no issue with my BMI. They knew what it was. He then proceeded to tell me I needed to take weight loss injections. <gasps> said that we had no time to lose because of my AMH. Um, we best get cracking. I just sat there in complete and utter shock. And so did Adam, because this was just not what we were expecting. I also asked him a question. I'd again come across another test that I wanted to do, uh, the vaginal microbiome test. Mm -hmm. I thought I would be the good student that I am. And I would ask my acupuncturist, Rebecca, because again, it was the holistic specialists that were kind of banging the drum about it on, on Instagram. And she told me her thoughts. And I thought, I'll then go to him, considering he's our consultant, and get a medical opinion. And my specific question to him was, what is your scientific opinion on the vaginal microbiome? Oh, we don't recommend taking that test because of the expense of it. You're paying thousands of pounds for IVF. And the microbiome test is 170 quid. Mm. Oh my goodness. So what did you do? Did you do it? I did. And again, that plays a later part in the story. But at that point in time, um, I don't know if you remember, Maria, but I phoned you up in tears. I was mm. devastated after that appointment. So was Adam. He made us feel that uh, we weren't going to have kids. He made us feel that he had no faith in us whatsoever. I couldn't believe a doctor would even suggest weight loss injections when so many of them are deemed dangerous on the market. He didn't even sit there and ask me what I was doing. So he, he didn't give me the opportunity to explain about you. He didn't give me the opportunity to explain about my diet. He didn't even say, I want to talk to your GP. I want to see your medical file. That just didn't sit right with us. And to cut a very long story short, we ended up switching clinics. We went to the 
amazing Lister Clinic. And they were that London clinic that we met with a year previous and that my husband wanted to sign up there and then. Oh. Um, yeah, that was then. <laughs> we've come so round. We've come round in a full, <laughs> gigantic circle. Obviously, I don't admit to Adam he was right <laughs> about wanting to Absolutely sign Lister. <laughs> um, but I picked the doctor. They have their biographies on the website. And um, I went for Jaya, and she's amazing. She said that she specialised in low AMH, specialised in the older women, and she believed in the microbiome. So all three boxes for me. We had a video consultation and her first words to me were, Helena, your BMI has nothing to do with your infertility. Oh. And that just felt like a huge weight had been lifted off my shoulders because to have your BMI used against you like that made me feel like it was my fault that we didn't have a child. I felt that I'd let Adam down. I felt that I let our family down. and even though I was working with you and my weight was coming off in the most natural way possible, really, I still didn't feel great about myself. But with her saying that, it started me on a path of actually this isn't my fault. And so we did our three-month preparation. Obviously, you were a major player in that. I had my acupuncturist and then I also had a nutritionist that I hired as well. So I felt that I was coming at it from all angles then. My body, I could tell, was getting fitter and healthier in preparation for the treatment. And I've been on every diet under the sun over the years. Like, you name it, I've done it. But this, eating the right foods and exercising the right way, it's actually been the best I've ever achieved, really. My body just it just naturally dropped off and it, it was it was great. And I think I lost I think I lost a stone and a half leading up to treatment. You did really well. But like you were saying, just naturally, it was like you just did the right things for your body. Your body responded well. It was safe. It was healthy. If I remember correctly, you were proud of yourself as well. And rightly so. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because when you're going through infertility, because it's your body, it's your mm. body that's the BMI is too high or is faulty or, you know, all these horrible yeah. words they throw around. Your self-esteem gets absolutely battered and you do yeah. end up feeling terrible. And if your self-esteem is low, you don't eat as well. And then you don't have the confidence to do the workouts and then you stop going out and then you, and it's this horrible, vicious circle. What I'm really trying to focus on with people like yourself is we celebrate all of the wins because every time you did a workout, I was genuinely so proud of you. Genuinely. Like, and I am every time I see a workout come through, I'm like, yeah, that's another one. And I'm so proud of people because it's really important to try and raise your self-esteem. And it is a massive achievement. Every workout you do is a massive achievement. Every time you eat a healthy meal, it's a massive achievement. And it's really important to try and bring you back up from where you end up going through fertility. Yeah. And I think one of the things I really respect about your process was you did take the 12 weeks. You were like, right. And actually you took 10 years and 12 weeks, let's just say. Okay. So, you yeah. know, but you actively <laughs> yeah. for those, for those final 12 and you got your team. You were like, listen, this is a holistic approach. I need yeah. people that I trust in my corner. I need people that know what they're doing. And like you said earlier, you surrounded yourself with experts. You got a team together. And this is something Roshan and I hear a lot um, with other people that we've had on. And this is one of the things I keep banging on about, for lack of a better word, is your fertility is your health and your health is your fertility. And that's not just one thing. That's all of the things. And that's one of the things I really respect about you and, and what you did. You got your team. 
Yeah, there's definitely pillars to it, definitely. Exercise, nutrition and holistic and then the science side, the medical side. I truly believe you need all four. I truly, truly believe you need all four. I'll never forget, I went for an antral follicle scan before we started treatment, so a month, the cycle before. And the sonographer sat there stunned because my AMH level did not correspond with the follicles that I had. And she said, you are the one with low AMH, aren't you? And she like looked <laughs> at my nose and she went, oh my word. And I remember I was talking to my acupuncturist about it afterwards. And she said, it's because of all the work that you've put in these past few months, your body has now responded to it. And that was amazing because I just thought it's working. It's working. working. You controlled what you could control. You did the things you could do and you trusted the process and it worked. And it did. It did. We went into treatment. Yeah, it resulted in a very positive test. Yay! (laughs) I'm so happy. This is awesome. So (laughs) it was a bit of a rocky start. I spotted a few days before um, test day and completely forgetting everything. I was convinced it was my period coming. I was convinced the cycle was over. This all happened at a weekend. I phoned the emergency phone number at the clinic and they were going, well, it's not necessarily over. And I'm like, no, I know my own body, thanks. It's over. (laughs) And they were like, look, we need you to come in Monday morning because we need to give you some extra pedestrian. And I was like, okay, fine, but whatever, I know my body. (laughs) And uh, the following morning, Sunday, I hadn't come into uh, full flow. I'm sorry if this is too much information, but I hadn't come into full flow. And just side note, I've always been textbook with my period. So I'm that annoying woman that's got the 28 day cycle. So I took a test and it was the faintest of faintest of lines. Mm -hmm. And I showed Adam and I just remember him saying, put it away. I don't want to see it because he just was convinced it hadn't worked. I tested again on the Monday morning, the day we were going into the clinic and the line was so much stronger. When I showed Adam, he went, yeah, okay, I think you are now pregnant. <laughs> it just went from there. It was a bit hit and miss with our uh, my HCG. It was slow to rise, but it did rise. It doubled eventually. And yeah, here I am. Hooray! I know that I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Congratulations to you both. Thank you. I mean, <laughs> I know people use the word journey and I know some people hate the word journey, but my God, you have such resilience I really respect the work that you did. I really respect that you and Adam both did all of the things. You got in touch with the right people. The whole point of doing this series, just to give this a little bit of hope, particularly as we're going through the kind of holiday season, like you said, let's be honest, this could be a shocker of a season for people trying to yeah. trying to conceive. It's really tough. Yeah. If you had to give maybe just two or three pieces of advice to people who are still on their journey, maybe to help them try and stay just a little bit hopeful, what would you say? I would say immerse yourself into the fertility community on Instagram. It has been a major support network for me. And for Adam as well, he's not really on Instagram, but we both came to the fertility show, as mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. and he more came along to support me, but actually it did him the world of good to be in a room full of people that either got it or were going through it it helped the both of us. So top advice is immerse yourself. My other bits of advice would be research, research, research. 
you've got to advocate for yourself, especially, and I don't want to sound controversial when I say this, but especially with the doctors, as amazing as these fertility clinics are, if you're going private, you are paying for it. Make sure you advocate for yourself. And one last thing, and this is to the people with the high BMI, don't let anyone tell you it can't happen because it certainly can. Mm. We can fall pregnant. We can carry babies to term. And it is completely possible. And there are clinics in the UK that will help you. You just need to phone them up and have a conversation with them. It can certainly happen for those with high BMI. I think I'm a living example of that. 100%. And uh, for the record, you are uh, looking fabulous. You definitely Thank have you. the kind of uh, second trimester uh, <laughs> going on. You're looking amazing. If people wanted maybe just to reach out to you, maybe they're in a similar situation with BMI or low AMH, where would be the best place to find you? I am on Instagram under TTC Hopeful Journey and you can find me there. My inbox is always open. I would love to help as many people as possible because that's what I got when I came onto Instagram into the IVF infertility community. So I would just love to be able to help others as I was helped at the start as well. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm feeling very emotional, so I might just, uh, you know, go off and shed a little tear. Thank you for sharing your story and just bringing a little bit of hope to all our listeners. Thank you. Wishing you and Adam and little baby a very merry and happy Christmas. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much. What an amazing woman. Her resilience. Ten years. Ten years. I knew there was a little break. and I know they did like a five year and then a gap and a five year. But still in all, that's that's an incredible amount of time to put to this project. And all I can say is thank goodness for her resilience and thank goodness for Adam coming to this when they were so young was such an advantage nearly because it took them so long. But I think it was the partnership that sustained them. Yeah. And we met Adam at the fertility show. He was there with Helena and they came along to say hello. So massive shout out to Adam. But you're right. They were a partnership. He was a really lovely guy and you could just see from the way they were with each other, like Helena says, they really do love each other. They love each other a lot and they've been loving each other for a long time. And I think the other thing that I liked about Helena's story is it really kind of brings home this idea that your fertility journey is, it's a holistic journey. Not only did Helena lose weight to support her health and her fertility, but she did also work on her vaginal microbiome. She took the right supplements for her own individual needs and she worked really well with the acupuncture. And this must have made a difference because after one round of IVF, Helena is now in her second trimester. Mm. She also was canny. She did the 12 week build up, which I know is something that you plan in anyway as part of what you do. But she's absolutely right. What we do 12 weeks ago is what affects us now. And it's a philosophy that stuck with me a while back, which is how do you want your future self to look? Your decisions in the moment don't affect you in the moment. They affect you in the future. And she was very much like, Adam, we're going to take a chill pill here. We're going to step back three months, even though we have a, you know, a time penalty, I suppose. But we're going to put all of those things in place. And we're going to put ourselves in the very best place for our round of IVF. And because she knew it may not work, but they may not have 
that many options to do that many rounds. She wants to get it right. And I think, you know, what she has achieved is a testament to forward planning. Yep. And she was absolutely right just to hold off. I, I do totally understand where Adam was coming from. Let's just go. But actually, I think, you know, those 12 weeks are really, really important um, for your preparation for this round because you might not get more than one go. And you do need to throw everything you've got at any round that you are going through. The other thing I really liked about Helena's interview was her openness about her BMI and how she was kind of perceived and treated by others because of her higher BMI. And I do remember working with Helena and I do remember speaking to her on the phone and she did just say, listen, they want me to lose eight to 10 stone and that's not going to happen. But I liked that because A, she was absolutely right. Losing a lot of weight in a very short period of time is not healthy. It's not healthy in general, and it's certainly not healthy for fertility. And I really respected where she was coming from. And what we were talking about was, actually, even if you can lose 10% of your body weight, that makes a massive difference to your fertility. And this has been shown time and time and time again in, in the research as well, in the published research. So I guess for me, the message to anyone that's listening that perhaps does have a higher BMI There is hope out there and just start by doing what you can. Everything that you do, every workout you do makes a difference. Every healthy meal that you eat makes a difference. Even if you don't see it when you're in it, it does make a big difference as you go through. Yeah, don't let anyone dishearten you with those kind of grandiose numbers of, well, it's 10 10 stone or nothing. You can really improve your chances with a 10% change. And actually... Helena did get a 10% change. I think she lost somewhere between a stone and a half and two stone in the time that she was working with you. And that is a 10% change. All these little nudges just move that needle. And it's not just the weight. And I think that's what Helena had rightfully a lot of grievance about. They were just focusing on one thing, the thing that they could see. And they didn't really want to go looking for the things that they could not see, such as the vaginal microbiome, which had a huge impact. And really, as far as Helen's concerned, had the defining impact on her fertility. Ultimately, you have to move the needle on many things when it comes to fertility. And yes, your weight is one of them, but also all the other cool stuff she did. The acupuncture that improved her periods, even though she had a great cycle anyway, it still improved her periods. The exercise that would have affected her mood and lowered her cortisol, probably helped her with her sleep. The good eating for both of them, both in terms of a partnership that would have improved the sperm and improved the egg. It's the whole thing. So don't ever let anyone tell you that it's just one thing because it often is just a combination of many things. Whenever you're trying to lose weight or get fit, people always focus on that end goal and they don't see the bit in the middle. And it it's not an all or nothing situation. People call it a journey for a reason. I know lots of people get annoyed with that word, but every little milestone you hit along the way, whether you've lost first pound, I think your first pound is massive because you've started. And as soon as you see that scale start to change, that's huge. These things all make a difference. And you do start to notice quite quickly. We had our coaching call on Tuesday night, our group coaching call, which was fabulous. And what so many other women were saying, they were like, my clothes are just fitting better. You know, I haven't lost tons of weight yet. You know, we've only been training a couple of weeks, but my clothes are already feeling better. I feel better in myself. I am more consciously making healthy food choices. Their mental health is better. And they're not near the end of the journey yet, but they've started. So it's certainly not an all or nothing. And Helena also mentioned, you need to find your people. And, you know, I'm just going to 
put a little plug out there, but I have heard that there's a particular group on Facebook called Maria's Fitness Fertility Support Group, which I believe, you know, is a very helpful resource for people going through their journey. Fancy that mm, on a fertility podcast. <laughs> I'm shocked, Roshin, I am. But, you know, I believe if you if you put those search terms into Facebook, you will find us very friendly. Come along, say hello. And it was one of Helena's top tips. Find your community. Mm-hmm. We hope you really enjoyed Helen's story because it is a story that could be all of ours. We just have to keep going. We have to keep trying stuff. We have to keep testing. We have to keep on doing our research. We have to keep on self-advocating. We have to find our tribe and just put our nose to the grindstone. And honestly, it's one of those things that it just keeps pushing the ball forward. And we're going to have some more of these wonderful stories to give you hope into 2024. We are and I absolutely cannot wait. I love the stories. And actually, speaking of seasons, we would like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. And we hope that wherever you're at on your journey, we hope that you manage Christmas okay and that you do find the support and the peace that you need during this time. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. Remember to subscribe to get a shiny new episode each week. And please rate, comment and really importantly share with your friends, especially at We're Trying to Conceive Sisters. You never know who's struggling and they may need that little bit of extra help. This may come as a surprise, but we are not doctors. We strongly recommend that you consult with your doctor before beginning any exercise or nutrition program. Get everything checked out first. Your safety is our priority. This has been a Worth a Listen production.